And welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by VOHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a self-proclaimed popcorn expert, a podcaster. And today I am joined by my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are things? Things are beautiful, Chris. Really looking forward to this show. Yeah, me too. And, and you know, Eric, I guess I probably should find a way to, to change my intro a little bit. You know, I call myself a self-proclaimed popcorn expert. I've referred to myself as the Sultan of Soda at one point. <laughs> but you know what? I, I guess I'm now like the Duke of Diabetic Snacks. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Beautiful. But, uh, I love it. <laughs> I guess I guess self-proclaimed popcorn expert sounds better, but you know maybe it's time for an update. Anyways, as you know, here at Varsity Videos, we always like to begin our podcast with just a little bit of movie news. So I have to ask Eric, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, so I did find some movie news, some sports movie news, and this is very interesting. There's a movie that's being filmed. Actually, I think it just wrapped up filming that'll be released in 2023 called Shooting Stars. And it takes a look at the young life of a basketball star from Northeast Ohio named LeBron James. Of course, it is based off of the book that he co-wrote with Buzz Bissinger called Shooting Stars. Uh, a couple actors, Mookie Cook is playing LeBron and Jeff Howard is playing Mello, uh, Carmelo Anthony. So those are two of the names that people are going to know, but it's basically about the young life of LeBron James in Akron, Ohio. And I'm not looking forward to the film, Chris, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel that this is so like self-gratifying in a way for him. I'm just surprised LeBron is letting somebody else play LeBron. Well, I mean, this is true, but Well, you know, and it's supposed to be a young LeBron, so I'm surprised they didn't he didn't make him make Bronny do it, you know? Yeah, as his younger boy. So, I, I it, interestingly enough, but that's the sports movie news for this week. Again, I'm not really looking forward to it, Chris, but what to each his own, I guess. Well, you know, Eric, I'm a huge Cleveland Cavaliers fan, so obviously I'm not looking forward to it either. <laughs> uh, we 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 appreciate the title he brought back, but I'll tell you what the uh, between his politics and his antics, uh, you know, jumping around from team to team, I just can't get into the guy. I really yeah. can't. Me so neither. I I gotta say that I'm right there with you and not necessarily looking forward to it. But you know what? You know what I am looking forward to. What's that? We are continuing our 64 team sports movie challenge this week. We are looking at the sequels and remakes bracket in the tournament this week. We have four matchups this week, three of which I thought were completely easy decisions for me. One, bit challenging. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and run us through this week's matchups? Let's do it. Let's start from the top because it's probably the easiest one for you, me, and everybody else. And that is the number one seed, Rocky taking on the number, uh, was it nine seed? I think it was. I'll have to yes, pull number that nine. Yeah, number nine seed, the Bad News Bears remake from 2005. Of course, you know, Rocky's got Sylvester Stallone in it and Carl Weathers. And you know that this is my actual favorite Rocky movie, number two. Um, but I'll say this for Bad News Bears. I thought Bad News Bears, the remake, was very good. I am a huge Billy Bob Thornton fan. I thought he did a fantastic job playing Morris Buttermaker. So I'm going with Rocky too because I absolutely love that film. But Bad News Bears to me was a was a good remake. Well, Eric, you and I can go back and forth all day long on whether Rocky or Rocky Two is the better film. But without a doubt, Bad News Bears is not in competition with either of them. Give me Rocky Two as well. So what's your favorite part of Rocky and Bad News Bears, these films? I, I'll tell you, I, for me, I love the interaction between Billy Bob Thornton and the boy in the wheelchair. I yes. just find that absolutely hilarious. Um, I, that's just, to me, it's comedy gold. And then for Rocky II, the way that it, it's basically a continuation of Rocky One and how the movie ends, I love Rocky Two. And I just I, it makes me feel like it's a complete saga. One and two together makes to me feels like a, a, a whole film. And I love how it wraps up. So that yeah, that's I, I'm with you there. Uh, the Bad News Bears. Same thing. 
Uh, Billy, Bo- Billy Bob Thornton's inter- interactions with anybody was comedy gold in that. He was just good. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it you know, was. especially the kid in the wheelchair. But then also Rocky, too, for me, you know, I think for me it was a little bit more of – I mean, the fight obviously at the end was tremendous. But I think a little bit more of the the relationship between – Rocky and Adrian and a little bit more of delving into, you know, how he was trying to handle not being a fighter as much um, before just saying, yep, yeah, you know what? This is what I got to do. Yep. And by a vote of 26 to two, Rocky two, uh, uh, all of you listeners agree with us. Rocky two is the better film. So number one seed moves on. All right. How about the number four versus number five seed? This is a close one to me. This was the toughest one for me, Eric. Yeah, I know you you have you have affinity for both of these series. So number four, D two, the Mighty Ducks versus number five, Major League Two. First, D two, the Mighty Ducks from nineteen ninety four. So I in this film, I actually like this film maybe a little bit better than the the initial first one. Yeah, and I tell you why. I love the new characters that they brought on, and of course, Keenan Thompson is hilarious as Russ. I love that kind of a street smart uh, yeah. roller hockey aspect that they brought to this. I also felt like the bringing it as almost like an Olympic type feel to the movie made yes. it made it a little bit more serious. Um, and how about Karsten Norgard, the, uh, the the guy who played Wolf, the opposing coach? Yes. Oh, he was so intense. Yeah. Yeah, did a great job. I love how the characters all had these newer guys and gals who were very similar to themselves, kind of making them a complete international team uh, from all over the country. So I love that aspect of D2. Major League Two. All right. So here's the thing about Major League Two. The biggest problem I have with Major League Two. You're going to steal my notes here, aren't you? It's got to be Omar Epps playing Willie Mays. (laughs) Got to be. But yeah, I agree. But I will also give this what I love about this. Also, Bob Euchre was great, but he was nowhere near as good as he was in the first film. It just it just I mean, how are you going to replicate that? The comedy gold that you had in Major League. But James Gammon as Luke Brown and when he when when he's in the hospital. Yes. You know, jumping up and down. on the Yeah. Love. Love that. And. I'll give I'll give Major League Two a little bit of a okay you did well here when they brought on to uh, Takaki Ishibashi uh, who played Isuro Tanaka. Yes, I love I love that. <laughs> that was him great. and Serrano. The interactions yeah. between them. Yeah, him and Pedro. That was fantastic. So those are my favorite parts of D Two Mighty Ducks and Major League Two. Uh, for me, D Two, like you said, I love the new characters they added on. But come on, how could you not love the Bash Brothers? They were they were great. Uh, well, I, and I can't remember their individual names now, but the they just were going in there wreaking havoc, knocking everybody over. You know, I, I loved them together. Yeah. Uh, and then Major League Two. Uh, for me, I thought Tom Berenger was really the all-out star in this. Um, but you know, I I thought that obviously, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen did great. Um. I thought Corbin Burnson, his character cracks me up. But you know what? For me, it was the same thing. You cannot replace an iconic actor like you know Wesley Snipes in that type of iconic role like Willie Mays Hayes and expect it to be well-received. For me, that actually tipped the scales, and that's why I went with the Mighty Ducks on this one. Ooh, interesting. Now, I'll say this. the the Okay. There's one line in Major League Two that I absolutely hysterically love, and that is when Roger Dorn walks in and says, is it too early for a Roger Dorn night? And it's the beginning of the season. Well, there's that, and then when he comes in and announces, <laughs> he activated himself. Yeah, those those were great. Those were great, man. I, You know what? I'm not nearly as big of a fan as Mighty Ducks as I am as you are. So I'm going to go ahead and go Major League Two. It's not the stronger Major League film, obviously. Major League dominates Major League Two. But to me, when you put it up against Mighty Ducks D2, 
I'm going to go with Major League Two. So that means, Chris, it's up to the fan vote. So let's see what they did. Major League Two received 24 votes. D2 Mighty Ducks only received 10 or 29%. So Major League Two is going to get the to move on here, Chris, and be the sacrificial lamb for the number one seeded Rocky Two in the Sweet 16. All right, let's move to the bottom of the bracket here. And let's look at number three seeded Karate Kid 2 versus number six seeded the uh, Longest Yard remake. Um, Karate Kid 2. I love what I love about this is the development of the relationship between um, Mr. Miyagi, played by Matt Morita, and Danielson, played by Ralph Machico or Machio. 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 I am struggling with his Italian name. Anywho, I love how that they took the story from part one and they just developed it and made it grow in the second movie. That's my favorite part of Karate Kid Part 2. Now, the Longest Yard remake, which is Adam Sandler's 2005 version, there's not a lot about this movie that I enjoy. Um, I feel that it, it kind of spits on the original Major League, and sometimes when they re – or excuse me, uh, Longest Yard, but <sighs> – Sometimes when they remake movies, it ruins the first one for me. Not so much here. I still think the original Longest Yard, Burt Reynolds' original back in the 70s, still holds up very well. Um, for me, looking at this, I'm going to go Karate Kid Part 2. There's not a whole lot that I can actually point to that I enjoy in The Longest Yard. Yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, I love the Karate Kid franchise. Uh, well, the second one obviously isn't as iconic as the first. I'm with you. I enjoyed the development of the backstory of Mr. Miyagi. Uh, I really think that the multiple love stories actually enhance the film as well. Uh, you know, I, I think the final fight scene is just amazing. And to me as well, the soundtrack adds so much to this this film as well. As for the remake of The Longest Yard, I mean, what can you say? Sometimes, you know, things just should not be redone. New Coke, the Dixie Chicks, you know, remaking Fleetwood Max Landslide and remaking The Longest Yard. None of those should have ever happened. <laughs> Eric, this film is a mangled cat in the hot sun three days old. That's how bad it stinks. Mm. Give me Karate Kid 2. Oh, it's very interesting. So Karate Kid moves on, but check this out. So 26 votes for the Longest Yard remake, only 16 for Karate Kid 2. The listeners, the listeners wanted the Longest Yard to move on. We're going against the listeners here, Chris. There, there's some times that we just have to, Eric, and this is one of those times. <laughs> All right. That leads us to our last one. Number two seeded Creed 2. Number seven seed, the Bad News Bears 2. Two, as I'm calling it, but it's really called, titled in Breaking Training from 1977. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, out of all the Bad News Bears movies, this is my favorite one. It's iconic, playing in the Houston Astrodome, and yes. the fans cheering, let them play, let them play. I love that. I love this series. I love this film. Creed 2, I thought, had a very good um, continuation from what they started in Creed 1. Um, it was sad to kind of see uh, Sylvester Stallone kind of bow out in this film as he as he's basically leaving the franchise, as we now know. What I did love about it, I love Dolph Lundgren being in this as Ivan Drago again. Yes. He's he's a great evil character, man. A misunderstood. And how about the fact that they bring back Bridget Nielsen as Ludmilla uh, Drago? Uh, his uh, I could have done without that. I mean, it was a nice <laughs> sentimental touch, but yeah, I get you, I get you there. But I I, I love anything that Ivan Drago's in. I, I'm a big fan of. He's he's great. And I'm telling you, man, Michael B. Jordan is one of the better actors today in, in all sports films, in my opinion. And his his role as Adonis uh, Johnson, uh, aka Creed's boy, 
Love it. Love love and bringing out the Creed and uh, Rocky American USA red, white, and blue shorts in this in this one as well. Yeah, I, I you know for me, I'm not a big fan of the Bad News Bears movies, but you know what? When you take Walter Matthau out of them, you lose me even more. Mm. Um, now I think William Devane did a, a, a good solid job as Mike Leake, um, but you know for me, Walter Matthau made those movies. Uh, or made that the the original um you know it was nice it, i i think you're right i think there's something feel good about seeing them playing in the astrodome being cheered on the let them play let them play kind of getting the thumbs up from chuck norris you know uh but you know i thought creed was just on the other hand a phenomenal film creed 2 in the tradition of the rocky movies they just you know they kind of leave you asking, was was two as good as one? Now, no. To me, the first ones are better in both. You know, again, conversation for another day for us. Um, love the plot. I like the way they tie in the original Rocky films. Um, I think that it was it was it kind of had a Rocky three feel in the fact that he loses initially. Um, but. You know, I, I think that uh, y- I got to go with Creed, too. I think it's just a much better movie than Bad News Bears. As much as I like the Bad News Bears, I'm with you. I think Creed 2 is the better film. And here's what's crazy again. Creed 2 received 13 votes from the listeners, while Bad News Bears 2 received 15. So 53% to 46%. For a second time in a row, Chris, we're going against the listeners here. And voting Creed 2 onto the Sweet 16. So here is your Sweet 16 matchups from the remakes and sequels bracket. You've got number one seed Rocky 2 will be going up against number five seed Major League 2. And you have number three seed Karate Kid 2 going up against number two seed Creed 2. Little surprise that the fans went with Bad News Bears 2 over Creed 2 and the Longest Yard remake over Karate Kid 2. Uh, in this, uh, Chris, this, I'm I really expected the the Longest Yard remake to be one of those films that was almost in a landslide. Yeah, hey, how about that, man? Because it's, it just was not good. Yeah, so there you have it, man. That's this week's uh, list. That means we got four new movies to add to our flick chart, brother. Well, let's have a little fun with that. Let's do it. Let's start with the Bad News Bears remake, shall we? <clears throat> From uh, 2005. Let's popper in here there it is okay add it to the flick chart number one it's going up against from 1994 the air up there Ooh. oh i'm going the air up there all day long you know that i'm a big fan of the jimmy dolan shake and bake i'm gonna go bad news bears here let's flip for you, you want heads or tails this week oh let me have heads this week good choice heads it is the air up there wins Bad News Bears from 2005 against Rad from 1986. I'm Bad News Bears. I'm Bad News Bears here as well. Uh, how about Love and Basketball from 2000? I'm going to go Love and Basketball. I think I've got to go Love and Basketball as well. Underrated love story. From 1978, Heaven Can Wait. How about Bad News Bears for me? Yeah, I really liked Heaven Can Wait, but i got to go Bad News Bears. From 1992, Mr. Baseball. I'm taking Mr. Baseball all day long. Yeah, absolutely. From 1991, Necessary Roughness. I know which way you're going. I'm going to go Necessary Roughness here. I am as well. And from 1993, Searching for Bobby Fischer. That's the better movie, but I'm picking Bad News Bears. You, you know, you're right. Bobby Fisher's the better movie. If I'm choosing one that I'm going to watch, it's probably Bad News Bears. You know what? Let's flip for it, Eric. Let's go. Let's go with our uh, conscience here on this one. Tails. Bad News Bears gets her. Bad News Bears now sits at number 78 on our flick chart. Next up, D2, the Mighty Ducks. And from 1994, adding D2, and two films from 1994, D2, The Mighty Ducks, and The Air Up There. 
I'm going to make you sweat this one out. These are two of your babies. I got to go D2. I'm going to agree with you. All right. From 1992, a league of their own. Give me a league of their own. Oh, league of their own all day. From 2021, American underdog. Ooh. How about D2 for me? Close, closely. You know what? I'm going to go with you here on this one, Eric. That was close. From 1992, White Man Can't Jump. Give me that all day long. I love oh, that yeah. film. Which I understand they're remaking, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> From 1999, Any Given Sunday. That's definitely the superior film here. Yeah, Any Given Sunday. From 1996, Jerry Maguire. Who's coming with me? Uh, Jerry, Jerry Maguire. I'm going with him. <laughs> uh, me too. Uh, from 1993, Cool Runnings. Oh, God, you can't go against Cool Runnings here. Could you? Would you? No. I didn't think so. Uh, D2, a respectable number 43. Not bad for the Mighty Ducks sitting at number 43. All right, next up is the Longest Yard remake from 2000. Oh, this could get ugly. I can't believe how many people voted for that thing, man. I was, I was shocked by that. It better hope for some good matchups. Uh, from 1994, the air up there. Air up there all day long. <laughs> Give me Kevin Bacon. From 1994, Little Giants. Oh, Little Giants. Easily. Here we go. From 2004, Mr. 3000. Here I'll go Longest Yard. Yeah, I'm going to go Longest Yard. All right, from 1997, The Sixth Man. I know which way you'll go here. I'm going to go Longest Yard here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to agree with you, I think. From 1969, Downhill Racer. Ooh, talk about a strange match. Long, uh, longest Yard. Yeah, I'm with you. From 2022, Netflix's Home Team. I'm going to go Home Team here. I'm going to go Longest Yard. Let's flip for this. Heads, home team. And the Longest Yard remake from 2005 is now number 92 on our flip chart. And we have one more, and that's the Bad News Bears uh, and Breaking Training, which is from 1977. This is our third Bad News Bears movie we're going to add to our flip chart. From 1994, the air up there. The air up there. Yeah, I'll lean that way for you. From 1986, Rad. I'm going to go Bad News Bears here. I am as well. From 2000, Love and Basketball. Love and Basketball. I'm going to agree. From 1978, Heaven Can Wait. I'm going Bad News Bears. Yeah, I'm going to give you that one. Okay. From 1991, Necessary Roughness. Let's kick oh, Necessary the Roughness. Yeah. Well, here we go. <laughs> From 2005, Bad News Bears versus 1977, The Bad News Bears and Breaking Trading. Yeah. Give me Billy I'm, Bob. I'm going with Billy Bob, man. Absolutely. Billy Bob, Billy Bob. From 1993, Searching for Bobby Fisher. I'm going to go Bobby Fisher here. Yeah, I am as well. All right. The Bad News Bears and Breaking Training is now number 81 on our flip chart. So there you go, Chris. There's uh, there's uh, four new movies that we've added there. So uh, we're now up to 118 movies on our Varsity Videos flip chart. Well, you know what, Eric? We're going to get ready to introduce a new one as well. Uh, so do you want to introduce this week's movie for us? Absolutely. This week we're going to be talking about Johnny Be Good.
So Johnny B. Good uh, had a budget, Chris, of $22 Um not exactly it, a box office smash, was it? It was not, my man. It only made seventeen point six million, and um, which was, I mean, back then they would have considered this a flop. Today, I don't know that they would because there would have been so many um, with digital sales and DVDs. Yeah, like I just feel like I, I feel like. It would have done a little bit better today than back then, um, given you know, given what you can do today with a film, you know, sell it to Netflix and get your money back type of thing, you know. So even though it was considered a flop then, it does have a cult following, and it's because of some of the actors that are in it. Uh, we talked about last uh, last time we recorded Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Johnny. You had Robert Downey Jr. as his sidekick high school buddy. Um, you got Paul Gleason in there. Uh, you've got the uh, uh, movie debut of um, Uma Thurman. Yes. Um, so you've got <clears throat> you've got some big you got some big names now that people go back and watch and can appreciate. The writers were Steve Zacharias, Jeff uh, Bua and David Opst, and it was directed by Bud S. Smith, was produced by Adam Fields, distributed by Orion Pictures. The music was arranged by Jay Ferguson and Judas Priest. How about that? And their rendition of Johnny B. Good is pretty awesome. Yeah, we just heard that, so pretty pretty interesting there. Uh, <clears throat> let's take a look at the current flick chart stats, shall we, Chris? Has a global ranking of 12,937, only wins 27% of its matchups. Despite the fact the film being from 1988, only 547 total users have ranked it. It's only been ranked 5,834 times. No one has it at number one. One person does have it in their top 20. So That's not me, are, Eric. <laughs> it's not you? All right, so those are its flick chart stats, Chris. So let's dive into Johnny B. Good, the 1988 cult classic. All right, Eric. So the movie opens in a pregame pep talk before the Kentucky High School State Championship football game. Coach Wayne Hissler is given the pregame speech. You're kind of reminiscent to what you might have expected to hear in a 1980s high school locker room, uh, complete with punching and shattering a five-gallon glass water bottle. We then jump to an early sports montage. Usually we get these later in the film, but it's an early sports montage of Johnny Walker leading his team. Johnny sets records for passing yards, touchdowns. He has a punt with a five-second hang time. Just an amazing player doing everything there. We're also introduced to Johnny's best friend, Leo, as you mentioned, played by Robert Downey Jr., He's the backup quarterback who has never seen the field because, well, Johnny's just so great. Leo comes up, asks the coach to get in the game, and Hissler looks at him and says, you want to go in? No, you don't. Slaps him with the clipboard. Doug just kind of blows him off. With the score up 52 to nothing, Johnny fakes an injury so Leo can get a little game time. What's the first thing he does when he comes in, Eric? He fumbles the ball. At this point... Johnny gets one of the cheerleaders to uh, remove her underpants to dis uh, distract the opposing players. Something I'm pretty sure we would not see in a movie today. Probably not. So he snaps the ball. The defensive line is distracted. gets plowed. Leo goes running for the touchdown in the wrong direction. After getting turned around, he scores his first ever touchdown. Ashcroft High wins their second state title. Yay! Johnny receives a congratulatory call from who? But one of the greatest sportscasters of all time, Howard Cosell. Gets this call after the game, and he's trying to convince Johnny to go to Yale. This really starts setting up a premise for what the film is. The celebrities, the recruiters, the coaches, the university executives, all trying to do anything to get Johnny to come to school. After the game... Johnny goes to leave and he's just swarmed by an agent who is dressed like an athletic pimp, <laughs> a uh, slew of uh, recruiters. Uh, you know, Johnny's getting to the parking lot where he gets mobbed by adoring fans. 
We're introduced to his girlfriend, Georgia, played, as you mentioned, by Uma Thurman in her film debut. We also meet her father, who is the town sheriff and absolutely despises Johnny and everything he's all about. The recruiters get through the gate and mob Johnny, who's just trying to get to his car. Well, Johnny and Leo get in the car. They escape. They get away. And they just have a comical exchange in the car on the way home about Johnny being afraid of the dark and, uh, you know, how, how the recruiters would all turn on him if, if they knew this. But you also get a hint of the idea a little bit that Leo may have some personal interest in where Johnny goes to school as well. So we jump over to Coach Hissler's home and we meet his wife, uh, played by uh, Jennifer Tilly, and their children, two chihuahuas named Sugar and Honey. <laughs> this is also where we discover that Coach uh, Hissler has, uh, you know, a bit of uh, his own motives for steering Johnny, getting him to go to Piermont University. The university chancellor visits and makes a deal promising Hissler. He would be named head coach at Piermont with a very lucrative deal as long as Walker goes to Piermont. Hissler guarantees Johnny will go to Piermont or he won't go anywhere. And we kind of get the sense here of just how far he's willing to go to make good on his promise. So jump back to Johnny and Leo and we find out just how much uh, Johnny dislikes the coach. Um, and they can, as they continue to drive home, Johnny pulls up to the house. They're again mobbed by recruiters. And I'll tell you, Eric, the interaction between Johnny and the recruiters is, is just comical the whole way through. But the recruiters even approach Leo, try to bribe him to get Johnny to attend school. Uh, once inside, we meet Johnny's family during dinner. Uh, Grandpa Walker, his mom, uh, his sister, and his brother. You know, and, and you get a little you know, a little bit into the mindset of what Johnny's, uh, you know, all about too, because he tells his mom he's going to work hard and succeed so that she doesn't have to. This is a sign of what I think becomes a little bit of a misguided logic in, in how Johnny pursues his uh, recruitment. Um, of course, Johnny's grandfather tells him, Hey, you got to get serious about this. You got to get serious about deciding on a college and his mother, she just kind of tries to downplay it and, and keep him humble. You know, telling him, you know, he can start out by helping her clean the table. After dinner, we cut to a scene of Johnny studying game film. And, you know, he's sitting there playing the drums, studying the game film, and you can just see the intensity and the dedication in his eyes. Uh, after this, Johnny is, you know, taking Leo home, but they decide to stop by George's house. And, and this is what I think of the funnier scenes in the movie. They stop by. He asks if George is home. Of course, her mother answers the door, says no, and says yes. And that's where she's staying and then slams the door in his face. Well, about this time. The chief shows up, decides that since he just can't beat the hell out of Johnny to keep him away, they're going to have themselves a little football game. He's got these two massive police officers who are going to play against Johnny and Leo. Well, Johnny's like, well, this is a bit unfair. Well, since the odds are unfair, they let Johnny and Leo play with the big cheese, who is a uh, criminal that they've got in cuffs. But since the teams are now even, Johnny had to play with one hand tied behind his back. The front yard turns into a field complete with cheerleaders, fans, and police cruisers used to provide stadium lights and sidelines. The, the game itself is comical uh, from putting poop on the ball uh, <laughs> before they, they kick off to, you know, officers crashing through the windows of the cruisers. With the final play, Johnny tosses the ball to the big cheese for the game winning touchdown, tells them to get out of their escape. But then Johnny and Leo realize, hey, this was a game ball, man, and start chasing them down. After they win, Georgia is Johnny's, and they end up going to the drive-in. And, you know, they're sitting there discussing their future a little bit during, Eric, what I can only describe as a really strange movie going in the background. Uh, the coach shows up at the drive-in as the kids are, you know, just starting to make out a little, as teenagers will do. And, and you know, he says to Johnny, hey, you know, I'm looking out for you. you. You should go check out Piermont. Johnny agrees. Uh, Georgia starts questioning as to why he's taking these visits. And, and I think she's clearly concerned about their future as, as she thought they were just going to state you together so they could be together. Um, during this portion of the film, 
we also get introduced to another character without fully being introduced to him. And it's a strange old gray haired guy who just keeps popping up throughout the thing. And is constantly taking notes about what's going on with Johnny. And we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about him later. Eric, that's really kind of the first part of the movie. What did you think of that? So <clears throat> I love the fact that when you check out the cast and the introductory of the cast, I think Robert Downey Jr. as Leo Wiggins is is great. Oh, that, hilarious. And he really shines in the first third of the movie, I think. Um, so I love that part of it. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Um, uh, interesting, you know, Uma's Thurma's character, Georgia Elkins, her father. You know, the disdain he has for Johnny, <laughs> I think, is 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 hilarious. Um, As the I, father I, of a teenage daughter, though, Eric, I can tell you I have that for every guy. I, I under. Yes, I can understand completely, you know, but I thought just how they introduced the story and the characters I thought was done was done quickly, but very well. Like there was no yeah. wasted there was no wasted scenes, no wasted lines, no wasted uh, action. It was all done very well. And I tell you what, this is what I got from this movie. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. This is literally a comedy. Like, like if you made blue chips, a football high school yes. comedy, that's what this is. Yeah, very much so. And, and I'll tell you, I kind of feel like it, it was made to be a comedy, but at the same time, have a bit of truth and satirical basis in what college football recruiting was at that time. And maybe until recently still was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they, they're really making at the time they're making fun about, uh, of how comical really it was. Yeah. To be honest. Absolutely. So next we see coach Hissler, uh, on a, on a bus, he's traveling down to Piermont University to meet up with Johnny, who promised he was going to come for his visit. Only thing is, Johnny's decided he's going to go visit old Tex for his first visit. This is where we meet Tex Wade. Tex shows up to pick up Johnny and take him to Texas. He arrives in a plane that looks like a horny toad. <laughs> and the first thing he does after he stumbles off the plane is introduce himself and offer Johnny a drink. You know, his horse at Piermont, he's pissed off that, uh, that Johnny, you know, didn't show, makes up this story, lies to the chancellor about, you know, where Johnny's at. Meanwhile, in Texas, Johnny arrives at a large party in his honor, and he's there with a lot of the other top recruits at the time. Texas telling Johnny that everything he wants is at his disposal. Tex introduces Johnny to the team captain, Bad Breath Bannister, who is a character that was, I think, I, I loved the character and they just underutilized him. But uh, he then introduces Johnny to the other four recruits uh, who were at the party. They're um, ser- uh, serenaded by the crowd with the old Tex alma mater at the party. We hear all the recruits talking about what all the top schools are offering for them to attend. Uh, Johnny, then uh, we see Johnny talking to Wanda, who is the, I guess campus representative who's there to welcome him to old Tex. Uh, she offers to take him on a tour of the campus. They get into a limo, uh, which also looks like a horny toad, by the way, the limo takes him to the 50 yard line of the football field. As they get out of the limo, it's kind of suggested that Lawanda, well, she may have um, helped Johnny release his tension a bit. But uh, they get out of the get out and they go to the stage, which is set up on the 50, uh, set up for an intimate dinner for two. And Lawanda begins to attempt to, you know, seduce Johnny. And he's just in awe of the stadium and thinking about the crowds. He, he then turns his attention to her and, uh, you know, simply says, thank you. All he says, thank you. Well, about this time, Tex and, and Joe Bob, bad, uh, bad breath and the other recruits all show up at the stadium they realize there's some action going on in the field and uh, they decide to put it up on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. This is when they discover it's Johnny and Lawanda, who, by the way, is Texas wife. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Johnny huh? hears them and he just runs away. You know, the recruits catch up to him a little bit later as he's walking down the road and they head to a gentleman's club for a little bit of entertainment after the, uh, 
visit the club. They stop for gas and to pick up some beer. And uh, Johnny meets a gas station attendant who, you know, one time was a big time football recruit for old Tex, but he got injured. And uh, he tells Johnny about how well old Tex took care of him. You know, they, they took his scholarship away and kicked him out of school. But you know what? They got him a job pumping gas. So he doesn't feel bad about that. Johnny returns home dressed like a cowboy and is, again, rushed by the recruiters. His mom uh, asks him how the campus was. And, well, since he never saw the campus, he just lies to her and tells her how great the medical program is there. Uh, we also find out a guy from Texas called up and uh, got Johnny's grand or called up Johnny's grandfather and ordered 10,000 of his handmade lures. And Johnny realizes at this point something's obviously up but doesn't say anything. Johnny then goes to see Georgia at work. She asks him about the visit and specifically about the girls in Texas. Of course, he tries to, you know, play it off. She calls him out for, well, I'm going to say being a jerk. She uses another choice word, but uh, she calls him out for being a jerk. It basically accuses him of cheating without actually accusing him of cheating. Next, Johnny and Leo are coming out of the gym and they're discussing the lures uh, Johnny's grandfather sold and, Leo tells Johnny, well, I understand that, but, you know, you can't commit to old Tex. Yeah, Johnny's saying what a great time he had at old Tex, and he just, he doesn't want to break his grandfather's heart. So he's really thinking about committing at that point. Then Johnny and Leo are getting their haircuts, and, uh, well, who's in the seat between them but Coach Hissler? And he he's a little upset because, uh, you know, he was waiting for Johnny at Piermont, and he didn't show up. And he warns Johnny, you know what? You're in jeopardy of blowing your entire career. He warns him he'll do whatever it takes to make sure that he makes the right decision. Hissler then goes to visit Grandpa Walker and warns him, you know what? Johnny didn't go to Piermont. I'm afraid your credit line at the fish and tackle shop is going to have to be cut off. Coach approaches Johnny, talks about his failing English grade all of a sudden. Now, to Johnny's credit, he did do his paper on the American hardware store, Eric. That's a, that's a very valid subject. But uh, at this point, Hissler's messing with his grades. He's messing with his family. So Leo and Johnny decide to mess with him a little bit. They go to visit Coach at his home, and they arrive as his wife is hosting a uh, Tupperware party. They go into the den, and Johnny... Uh, you know, said he's been thinking a lot about Piermont, but he needs a little help with his English grade. And Coach, of course, says, yeah, I, I can help you out there. While this is going on, the doorbell rings, and, well, there's a pizza delivery for Hitler. 25 pizzas. <laughs> and as the pizzas are coming in, the elephants arrive on the lawn, and then the gypsies and the Harry Krishnas, and, uh, you know, an exterminator shows up to take care of the roach problem at the house. Hilarious sequence there. The guys, you know, they tell Hisler, hey, we're even, and they leave. So Johnny at this point goes to visit State University and tries to work out a deal with the coach to play ball there. Coach tells Johnny that, you know, he runs a clean program. He offers him the standard scholarship and aid package. Warns him, hey, you're going to have to actually attend class here. They do that everywhere, Marcus Freeman. You have to actually <laughs> attend class here. and the, if he starts asking people for deals, the deal's going to be more than he bargained for in the end. And just kind of warns him to, you know, watch out. So Johnny leaves state, goes home and decides he's going to visit Georgia that night, sneaks into her bedroom to surprise her. She asks him if he's come to his senses. And of course he says, eh, not really, but he did come to apologize. So she takes him back. Next, we jump to the scene, and I, and I love this one too, Eric, of, of Johnny and Leo, I guess, play fighting because Leo wants Johnny to go to UCC. And Leo pulls out a dart gun on him. Leo then threatens to shoot himself with the dart gun. And in a struggle, Grandpa Walker gets shot in the head with the dart gun. Yeah. I love it. So Johnny agrees. He goes ahead, he visits UCC, and he's met there by a marching band and cheerleaders. And the resident slimeball, Lou Landers. Lou takes Johnny to a commercial shoot to meet Jim McMahon, gives him an Adidas jacket. He says, listen, Johnny, play your cards right, and we'll make you the next Adidas man. Landers takes Johnny to a team workout facility, 
and and I love the workout facility, Eric. It's got it's complete with its own steroid pharmacy. The team has a designated pisser so that the team passes all their drug screen. Uh, you know, during the visit, Tex shows up at Johnny's house. Tex tells Grandpa, you know, hate to hate to break it to you, but you did not sell all those lures because they catch fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tex said, uh, you know, I thought Johnny was committed to old Tex. Johnny arrives home and Leo picks him up in his new Jeep. Johnny gets, you know, in the Jeep looking ridiculous. I, I, I believe he referred to him as a combination of Liberace and Prince's mom. He's in this gold and, and purple jumpsuit, gold chains hanging down. Johnny decides to stop by and visit Georgia. And she just looks at him and says, well, you know what? It's a look. He walks home and uh, his brother sees him coming down the street and goes in and tells his mom that Johnny's lost his mind. You know, Johnny tries to come in and convince his mom that UCC is a better school and, and that's where he's going to go because they've got the best deal for him. His mom questions the judges, his judgment at this point, tells him how ridiculous he's being, says, you know, the decision was clearly too big to be left up to you. His grandfather's upset with him about the wars. His sister's turned her back on him. His little brother just walks away to go do his homework, says he's taking a reality break. And, 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 you know, Johnny tries to defend his actions. That's a great line, by the way. It it really is. I love it. Johnny's trying to defend his actions, saying, you know, I'm just just doing what was best for the family. I'm trying to take care of the family. Now, his mother says, "You you know what? No, you're not. You're being selfish. You're being irresponsible. They all walk out of the room and just kind of leave him to ponder his thoughts. So Johnny's a bit distraught. So him and Leo, they're going to go out for some burgers. And they're talking about what Johnny should do. Uh, Leo has this great idea of him becoming a waiter instead of doing college football. Um, They see a car full of girls from out of town who are looking to have sex for the first time. That should probably throw up a red flag right there. But it didn't because Leo... Despite Johnny's uh, begging not for him not to follow him, Leo goes ahead and follows him anyhow. They end up in a hotel. Leo's laying there on the bed, fully clothed with two girls, while Johnny's you know, sitting at the little dinette talking to the third. Leo eventually starts to uh, make out with one of the girls, and the third girl has Johnny, you know, hey, are we going to do this or what? All of a sudden, you hear sirens. The girls rip their own clothes off and start yelling rape. At this point, you realize, well, you know what? They've been had. And the chief, boy, he couldn't be happier to see who was in the room. Leo tells Johnny, you know, hey, you know what? Let's let's call Lou Landers. He can get you out of this. At which point Johnny's like, what? You know Lou Landers? Well, Leo admits he knows Lou Landers. And he was working with him, making a deal to try to help Johnny go to UCC. Hissler then comes in. And we find out, basically, he's responsible for setting the boys up. Says, you know what? Johnny's your bail. He goes to Piermont. This all goes away. You know, advises Johnny, hey, you can put your foot in the cash register or you can put your foot in the chain gang. The choice is yours. And that kind of winds up the recruitment portion of the movie, Eric. What were your thoughts? So there was one section when the recruiting got started. There was one little scene that really sticks out to me that gives some depth to the character that my Anthony Michael Hall's playing in Johnny Walker. That is the one when they are getting gas at a filling station. Yes. And the gentleman walks out with a bad limp, and he finds out that that guy was also a football player there for the team there in Texas. And Big Tex uh, got him that job at the filling station after he injured his knee and could no longer play football. And you can see it in Johnny's face as he begins to ponder the idea of what it might be like if football is not his meal ticket. And so you begin to understand at that moment that Johnny has this dilemma that he's facing. He wants to be famous. He wants the glory and the money and everything, but he also knows that that can be taken away from him in a moment, a twinkling of an eye with one injury. And so it's kind of this internal battle that he deals with. And of course, Uma Thurma's character in the film um, kind of plays that steady uh, – Georgia is her name – plays that yeah. steady rock of consistency along with 
the his mother and grandfather and his siblings that basically are trying to keep him righted. But you got Leo Wiggins, Robert Downey Jr. over here, who continues to pull him back to the money, as well as his own coach in Wayne Hissler. So there's all these forces that are trying to pull at him, and he's really having this internal battle in his mind. That to me, that to me is the whole story within the story that has nothing to do with comedy yeah. that a lot of recruits go through. I think that is the real story here. Yeah. And, and I think to add to that, you know, he's definitely, he has this desire, no matter how, to, you know, how misguided it may be to do right by his family. He thinks, I, I truly believe he thinks, you know, the character thinks he is doing right by his family by going out and getting the best deal. But like you said, I think that scene is where he reflects on, you know, maybe even though it feels right, maybe it's not. So, yeah. Anyhow, so we jump to the next part of the day. Next our next part of the film. The next day is National Signing Day. And the media is all at Ashcroft High School to see where Johnny Walker has decided to go to school. Well, we see Tex Wade and Joe Bob and the chancellor from Piermont, who's in a really good mood. And Lou Landers, and they're all there along with all the other recruiters who've been trying to pursue Johnny during his recruitment. Coach Hissler comes on stage and announces that he and Johnny are going to be together for another four years. He's the new coach at Piermont. They've also landed the other top four recruits in the country. Hissler introduces Johnny. And, and this is where I think you really see his character come full circle. He comes out and he apologizes. He apologizes for being an idiot and states, you know, I've acted like a fool during this whole process. I thought I had something that, that I really didn't. And I've been acting, you know, a certain kind of way. And he says, listen, I'm not going to sign anywhere. This causes the other recruits to back out of the deal with Piermont as well. At this point, we see the odd gray haired guy finally come to the stage and we find out who he is. He's Floyd Gondoli, who is an NCAA recruitment investigator. He's been following Johnny's whole recruitment and he's calling for a full investigation of old Tex and UCC and Piermont. This just starts a riot in the gym, which is absolutely hilarious. The recruiters start fighting with each other. The the agent's trying to you know weasel his way out. You got Lou Landers who, you know, this is the only time I ever rooted for that team up north, Eric. <laughs> and that's when Lou Lou hit the uh, recruiter from that team up north. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I laughed out loud of that part too. I couldn't help myself. But you got Joe Bob fighting with Tex, and and everybody's just involved in this. And as Johnny goes to walk out. Coach Hissler comes chasing after him, and he gets leveled by a, a chair shot worthy of Vince McMahon <laughs> by Grandpa Walker. Yeah, he got him. So Johnny goes down to state to see the coach there. He enters the office, says, hey, I want an education. The coach tells him, you know, hey, I saw your press conference. You show the type of character we like in our players. Johnny agrees to sign. As the film kind of winds down, we see Johnny, Leo, and George all ride off together into the sunset there on campus. But I'll tell you, make sure you watch the entire run of the credits because you're going to see what happened to everybody who was involved with the recruitment scandal. Um, just, I thought, a, a great way to end the movie. Eric, that was Johnny Be Good. Your thoughts? So it's a great movie. Um I, I think my thoughts are pretty – I'm going to let Bo Delicious is his name. He's a he's a, uh, a movie critic. I'm going to let his one line sum it up for me. Johnny Be Good is one of those stupid movies I can't help but like. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with it. it. You know, and, and like Blue Chips, you know, it's one that I was – I'm kind of drawn to. It's not got – it is not critically acclaimed. It's not a great film in many, many respects, but I just love the movie. Um, yeah. So, Eric, I guess that just leaves us a little bit of business regarding this week's film, and that is to rank it in our flick chart. 
Let's do it. All right. Right off the bat from 2014 draft day. Yikes. That's a bad matchup for Johnny B. Good. You know, I like draft day. I'm not a huge, huge fan, even though it's about my brownies. I think I'm going to go with Costner on this one, though. Yeah, I, I, draft day. The just the the film, the the cinematography. Of it's it a is, better film. Yeah. All right, from 1986, Rad Johnny B. Good all day long. Oh yeah, absolutely. From 1994, the Angels in the outfield. So the original Angels in the outfield. Still going to go with Johnny B. Good I'm here. I'm still going to go Johnny B. Batty, or Johnny B. Good here. Yeah. From 1995, the Big Green. Who? Johnny I'm be good. Go Johnny me. be good. Even though I really like the big green. Yeah, me too. All right. <clears throat> Let's face it, Eric. Football's always going to beat soccer. Yes. <laughs> From 1998, he got game. Oh, that's tough. I I really like Johnny be good. Denzel's awful tough in that movie. Hmm. He Man, got kind of kind of similar film. because they're both about recruiting. Yeah. You know it. I'm gonna go. He got game here. That's definitely the better film. But you know what? I think I'm gonna make a flip for it. Let's do it. Tails. He got game. Gets it. And flick chart's being a little slow here. Here we go. From 2014, Million Dollar Arm. Ooh. Oh, I like Million Dollar Arm. It was really cute. But I'm gonna go with Johnny D. Good. Yep, I'm with you. You were so convincing there. All right, and that means Johnny B. Good sits at number 65 on our flick chart. So, That's respectable. Yeah, just just below middle, just below the halfway point. So to go over the uh, from from 61 to 70, 61 Teen Wolf, 62 The Turkey Bowl, 63 Tag, the film we did two weeks ago, 64 He Got Game, 65 Johnny B. Good. 66 million dollar arm 67 invictus 68 victory 69 the big green and 70 swimming upstream not bad not bad yeah i'm sure you'd like to see teen wolf a little higher i think swimming upstream might be a little overrated at this point mm-hmm. but uh, for the most part pretty good group of movies yep i think johnny be good sitting right there man so not bad absolutely so eric i guess that means it's time to find out what we're going to be doing the next episode of Varsity Videos. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be enjoying? So I don't like to do this, Chris, because I like movies to at least resonate and be out for a while before people can watch them. However, this thing just dropped this past week on Netflix. We had talked about it in our movie news before. My wife and I watched it, and I loved it so much that I feel like we need to talk about it right away. And that's Adam Sandler's new movie uh, in collaboration with Netflix and his uh, company, uh, uh, Happy, Happy Madison. Happy Madison, yes. Um, that's the new movie, Hustle. All right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Hadn't had the chance to see it yet. But uh, as I mentioned before the uh, the beginning of today's show, you know, I'm off tomorrow. It might be a good day to watch that. So looking forward to that. So that does it for today's show. Remember to please rank and review our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcast from. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash varsity videos. Until next time, we'll see you at the field, on the court, and in the theater. Good night, everybody. Good night.